Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Hercules Invictus, and I'm greatly honored to welcome back Mark Zinna. Uh, Mark is uh, currently a council person. Uh, he recently ran for governor, and he is currently running for mayor of Tenafly. Greetings and welcome, Mark. How are you? Good evening, Hercules. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, and thank you for having me on your show again. And thank you for uh, being on. Uh, uh, time must be very uh, uh full right now for you with everything happening well the, the calendar the day does get filled up very quickly uh we there are campaign events meetings discussions uh shaking hands um, every day so it's all good stuff it's very energizing it sounds very exciting uh too and uh that's been keeping you busy i know uh it was good to see you earlier tonight and uh um i'm again i'm very impressed with uh uh, the fact that we have uh, committees like uh, the one that uh, we were at tonight with the Tenafly Municipal Democratic Committee uh, and ironing out all sorts of stuff and discussing it. So uh, despite all that is going on uh, beyond the Tenafly, it's very heartening to see that in Tenafly uh, we take our democracy seriously. Well, we certainly do. And uh, it's good that we argue through um all yes. the details about how we elect candidates and why we elect candidates in the process, because that's how it makes it, uh, it makes it as fair as it can be for everyone who wants to be involved. 
Uh, very true. And the fact that it's also amended periodically, that, that's very reassuring uh, too. I wish we would do that with our laws a lot of times. Uh, it seems that some, uh, I'm currently on jury duty. And, uh, oh, very from, good. Which, which grand jury. Oh, uh, grand okay. jury. And very, although I can't send you the particulars, uh, it's very enlightening. Oh, good. So are you are you on that just uh, for a month or 45 days? How does that work? Uh, it's nine weeks, and the last week is uh, next week. Very and, nice. Well, uh, good. Well, thank you for serving. <laughs> well, you're welcome. I'm learning a lot while serving about uh, uh, our, our system of uh, justice. And uh, uh, again, that's uh, opened my eyes to uh, the fact that uh, uh, just like in the Democratic County Committee, we're looking at our guidelines and amending them. Uh, I think that a lot of our laws uh, should uh, undergo this process periodically as well. Agreed. Completely agreed. Whether it's at the fate, the, the federal, the state or the local level, things need to be looked at and you have to uncover the rocks and turn them over on a regular basis to see what's going on underneath. Very true. Uh, we're in agreement there. Um, I wanted to return to something you had said on other uh, shows about how uh, uh, people are focused on the potholes. Uh, yes. For the past uh, yeah. For the past few weeks, uh, the potholes have not come up at all, but property taxes have been coming up, and the fact that there are a lot of empty houses in uh, in Tenafly. Well, you know, so politics is all politics is all about what's at the end of our driveways or our or our mailboxes, and so within the past few weeks, people received their um, property tax bills, of course. Yes. And so, so you have. Uh, 14,500 people in the borough who are opening their mail to seeing, being reminded of their property tax bills. So that, uh, that becomes, you know, priority number one um, for the period of time they're, they're thinking about that. And so property taxes are high, um, but, you know, it's all, it's all relative to, to, to what, um, you know, services cost money. And, you know, we, we're always, at least in Tenafly, looking for ways to save money to keep our budgets at as close to a 0% increase year over year. We're always looking to add um, what we call rateables. In other words, taxpayers who, who pay taxes, but, but in other words, businesses and hotels and things like that, but don't add any additional burden to our schools. Um, so those are always, uh, those are the unicorns we always look for um, to help out the, uh, the residents. Awesome. Uh, and uh, I had a question about the school. Something came up in tonight's uh, meeting that the uh, Democratic Municipal uh, County Committee uh, doesn't uh, concern itself with uh, school board elections. And I had to leave early to set up for tonight's show. So I wasn't able to ask uh, uh, more clarity about that. Can you provide some clarity? Sure, sure. So the, uh, the town council and mayoral elections are partisan politics. We have Democrats, Republicans, um, you can be from any particular party you want, and you're running for office under a particular party label, brand, or platform. On the municipal school board elections, they're nonpartisan. So if you and I were running for school board, we wouldn't be out there carrying signs that were endorsed by the Tenafly Democratic Committee, vote for us because we're good Democrats, or vote for us because we're good Republicans. We would just be running for school board because because we're good guys and good women and uh and uh, we're going to fight for the schools. So the school board elections are nonpartisan. Therefore, the political parties in town do not endorse candidates for the school board elections because it's, it's kind of irrelevant. Um, 
that's not Understood. how the school boards work. Right. The state, you know, every every town and city in a state like New Jersey, we're creatures of the state legislature. We exist because the state legislature says Tenafly can exist as a borough, Creskill can exist as a borough, Englewood can exist as a city. Um, and what the state has done is protected the school boards so that they don't become political or overly political and that their focus is on educating children and providing buildings and facilities to educate those children within. So the priority is very different. On the municipal side, we have to build roads, we have to fix potholes, we have to uh, pay health insurance bills for employees, we have to have a police force, DPW uh, department, that sort of thing. So we've got a lot more politically driven issues going on on the uh, borough council side. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, thank you very much for clarifying it uh, for me. And I'm sure for other people who had uh, the same uh, question. Now, um, my involvement with the schools has increased uh, since I started doing uh, enrichment programs uh, in Tenafly Prescott other places locally in uh, Bergen County, uh, but I've come to understand that even though we're known for our excellent uh, schools, and Tenafly is known for its excellent uh, schools, uh, and the schools are indeed excellent from my personal experience, uh, they're always struggling. Um, uh, they, they seem to feel uh, that they're under-resourced. And tomorrow I'm going to uh, a, an event that honors our teachers. I believe you're going to be there as well. So it's been very much on right. my uh, mind. What can we do to uh, uh, make our schools even better? Well, first off, in a, in a, in a community as, as such as the one we live in, we're always focused on how we can do things better. Um, to a very large degree, uh, the residents, the parents, we don't rest on the laurels of what we were like 10 and 20 years ago or what we were like last year. We want to know what can we do better this year, whether it's new fields for the sports teams, um, whether it's uh, you know smart boards instead of blackboards, whether it's laptops for every children as opposed to spiral notebooks. So we're constantly in our town, like many towns are, uh, pushing forward um, to have better resources for our children. It's 2019. Um, we have to have our kids prepared for the world they're going to be um, entering as, as productive adults that we can't even define what that world is going to be like five years from now. You know, that becomes more right. of a moving target, right? So we're constantly changing. And what's happening is, the parents, um, the parents are driving, you know, the constant push to excellence um, in the school system. And, um, you know, right now there's a, there's a debate going on in town over whether uh, the school should be air-conditioned or not. And without us going on a tangent and having that whole conversation, you know, there, there are groups of parents who have uh, very strong beliefs about, about whether this, whether the school should be air conditioned and what is it necessary? Is it not necessary? And but the point of it, what my point is that it's an argument going on um, that people have brought up to push the town forward to be uh, more excellent tomorrow than it was yesterday. Now that that's not completely grammatically correct, but I think you know your listeners will understand the point. It's a constant discussion about improvements. Can we afford them? What's the value of them? 
should we replace the books with laptops, that sort of thing. Um, and it's a good argument to have um, because it's all about it's all about pushing forward and making things better for the kids and uh, and the future. Which is as it should be, and I'm glad that that's uh, going on. Um, I uh, again on one level I've been more aware, and on other levels uh, I haven't been as aware. But uh, last time I, I had time and I was able to look at uh, the circumstances in the schools, uh, the argument with uh, the armed guards were uh, going on. Uh, and since the summer began, I really haven't uh, heard anything. Has that argument moved uh, in one direction or another? So the argument, so the argument for armed guards is in various stages. And when we say armed guards, what we've always, what's always been discussed is, in Tenafly is uniformed police officers, not independent security guards. So the high okay. school, ha- the high school has, and in all the Tenafly schools, we have uh, one police officer. Um, the acronym is uh, SRO, you know, a school resource officer. He is a full-time uh, police officer, and he reports into the, the police command and the chief of police. Uh, he is not independent of the police department in any stretch of the imagination. And they are in the high school um, because they act as relationship builders with the kids in high school, um, you know, that's, which is actually more important than anything else. So they're there so that the kids have someone to speak to. If You know, the old, not even that old. The, the concept of you see something, say something, um, you mm-hmm. know, the students, if, if, if I want to know what's going on around town, the quickest way for me to find out is to speak to one of my youngest two children, because they can give me the skinny on everything that's going on in all the schools and the different sports teams and the kids, but, you know, good and bad. And so we, we, we wanted the police to develop a relationship with the students at the high school level. So when they talk about things like, you know, drugs or, you know, some late night party that was a problem, that sort of thing. This gives the police an opportunity to develop a relationship so that problems get resolved before they really become bad problems. And that's the biggest role of the SRO in school. Now, the next argument is, you know, should should they have, um, you know, one of their sidearms, their weapons in the school system? Well, they're they're a police officer. And unfortunately, we live in a world where there's a fair amount of violence that goes on with yes. guns. And, unfortunately. Um, very unfortunate. And um, I understand the arguments that, you know, if someone wanted to uh, shoot up a building, you know, with a semi-automatic weapon, will one police officer, uh, you know, be able to stop that person? Well, I would hope they – I would certainly say I, I hope so. I would like to see that happen uh, in terms of stopping, you know, stopping something terrible from happening. Um, and it's something we've done in response to some of the things that are going on around the country. And frankly, the community of Tenafly, you know, we're really wrestling with the whole issue. You know, you know, do I support the uh, the police officer in the high school? Absolutely. Do I think it's very unfortunate that we've made a decision, or we we've made a dec- we've been put in a position where we have to decide to do that? I think it's terrible. Um, but in, in sometimes we have uh, situations where there's not a lot of good choices, and uh, we've decided to do that, and, and I supported doing that. And, um, you know, so far it is working out uh, in terms of the police developing a re- better relationship with the high school students. So that's good. That aspect of it is good news. 
Yes, that's definitely uh, good news. I remember when I first moved uh, back to uh, Tenafly, like half a decade uh, or so ago, uh, there was actually a program uh, that one of the then council people, uh, Tony Barzalotto, uh, used to run, uh, where uh, he's uh, associated with the United Nations and you know, all sorts of yes. uh, protection plans. And I remember he had videos that he showed, uh, I believe I saw it at the Rotary Club and at the uh, uh, Chamber of Commerce. Um, do we still have something like that where we're raising awareness through these uh, presentations? Because I found, I found that very uh, frightening and enlightening at the same time. <laughs> So we, we we raise awareness at a lot of different levels. You know, you have the D.A.R.E. program in the elementary and the middle school, mostly the middle school, where, you know, the police officers go in to talk about, uh, you know, all the negative and bad and terrible things that happened with drug abuse and that sort of thing. Um, you know, so we have awareness programs. We have the Chemical Awareness Committee, uh, which works out of the high school, where it raises awareness for parents about dangers of, you know, drugs, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, what are the signs of it? So there are programs uh, that the borough has, and um, it's it's one of those things, you know, if you wind up saving one person, uh, you can declare the program successful. You know, if you save two or three, you're closing in on a home run. Um, so we do have programs like that, and it, it, I'm glad we do. And it's it's a good thing that we need to do more of. Uh, I agree, too. Uh, Tenafly has always taken a very um, healthy and healing uh, view uh, towards people who uh, are under the influence of uh, substances. Uh, and that's very enlightened. And uh, you're right. Yeah, it's something that we definitely should have and should continue. Um, I remember going even to uh, um, uh, presentations by uh, um Chamberlain, who's the head of our police uh, department here, uh, and he spoke about that at length. And uh, again, it's it's very reassuring because it's not a punitive uh, approach. It's a humane and human approach uh, that is focused on solving a problem rather than creating a problem. Well, that's correct. You know, going back to the police officer in the high school, you, you've raised a very valid point. That police officer is there to protect and help the kids that are in high school. He's not there to catch a kid who has a joint in their locker, okay? That's not the role that that officer is there for. He's there to help the kids, to prevent problems from happening, um, and in the worst-case scenario, to physically protect them if need be. Um, so that's how we've approached uh, the SRO in the high school, in a very uh, positive, nurturing, um, let's help the kids and let's have someone there that the kids can talk to if they need to. Awesome. Uh, and now with the legalization of medical uh, marijuana, uh, I was very surprised to hear uh, seniors who I'd never heard express uh, uh, sentiments like these uh, talk about how, you know, they're hoping that uh, marijuana gets legalized because they have pains uh, that uh, marijuana can supposedly help them with. Well, you know, uh, we just recently have our, we didn't last week, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of Woodstock, right? Mm -hmm. And so the folks, uh, some of the folks that were there were, that were 25 years old and 30 years old at the time are now 75 and 80. And um, so, you, you know, you've got uh, a generation of seniors now uh, before you can get into people in their 30s and 40s and 50s that have a very different perspective 
of, uh, you know, medical marijuana usage and whether it should be available or not and the reasons why it didn't, it wasn't available in previous generations. And the whole, uh, you know, our nation's view uh, on marijuana uh, is changing rapidly and it's a generational, it's an, it's an age issue. It's a realization of, uh, of, of, whether things are really damaging like we thought they were or whether they're not. Um, so there's a lot of issues around that. And, you know, fact, fact of the matter is, uh, it, you know, if, if you're a senior citizen and you're in some sort of chronic pain and the mar- medical marijuana helps relieve that pain, that's a good thing. Uh, I believe so uh, as well. And I'm glad that at least uh, those uh, uh, laws and practices are, are being challenged and uh, new ways of looking at uh, this whole issue uh, are being brought to bear. Good. Yes, agreed. Now, you, uh, I found out recently, uh, have uh, a rescue dog, and uh, we just got some rescue dogs uh, as well. And uh, in exploring, I'm finding that uh, Tenfly has an organization that facilitates uh, uh, this uh, process. Uh, and we have some excellent uh, shelters in Bergen uh, County. Um, so uh, uh, what inspired you to get a rescue dog? So what, um, so what happened was my 14-year-old son, about seven or eight months ago, wrote a letter to my wife and I, put, it, you know, put a stamp on it and dropped it in the mail, and uh, mailed us a letter explaining why, you know, his life would not be complete until he had a dog. And <laughs> it was a great letter. You know, my, my wife led the, read the letter first and, uh, you know, brought me the letter. And, you know, that, that sealed the deal. So he, uh, he made a very emotional plea to, to save a dog, and we should do our part to help, the, help, the, help a dog who at that point we didn't know who the dog was. And, and we agreed with him. And um, at the time, we had a, a rescue cat, and so we stepped up our game a little, and uh, my wife did all the research with my son, and uh, she found a facility based out of, through network of her friends, uh, a facility out of uh, Alabama that mm-hmm. had dogs in a, in a high-kill shelter, and um, the dog got brought up in a, a caravan of other dogs one day up to Fishkill, New York, and we slept overnight in Fishkill and met the van at, at 6 a.m. in a supermarket parking lot and brought the dog home. And he's, uh, his name is Brantley. And awesome. he's, uh, four, he's four years old, and uh, he's a mix, and he's, uh, he's 70, about 70 pounds, 73 pounds. So he's a big dog. And whoever, whoever had him before us, uh, the good thing was he's, he's extremely well-trained. Housebroken from day one, uh, listens, uh, sits down. We pet him before he gets his food, and he's a very happy dog. But we can tell that he did, unfortunately, uh, suffer some abuse in his um, in his previous life. Um, I cook a lot of uh, breakfast in the morning, and of course, when mm-hmm. I'm making omelets and things like that, and I'm using our pancakes, and I have a spatula. Uh, one day I moved the spatula like from the left side of my body to the right side of my body quickly, nowhere near the dog, but the dog was sitting behind me and the poor thing, you know, cowered because he saw the spatula moving rapidly, even though it was nowhere near him. And uh, he, you know, he did that a few other times. And so, you know, we kind of took that as the, the dog, unfortunately, 
you know, probably suffered some physical abuse by whoever previously owned them, and he's still not uh, he's still not completely over that. So once in a while, he gets a little skittish, and uh, we also we we learned that we can't have him near dogs his own size because he becomes too aggressive, and that's probably a result of uh, having a rough time in the kill shelter. And so, uh, but other than that, he's a great uh, he's a great dog. Uh, they're they're awesome. We have two uh, dogs that we got from the uh, uh, rescue program from uh, Ramapo Bergen Shelter. Uh, Very nice. We visited Very nice. a few of the the one the other one in Bergen County, which is near uh, Walmart, and uh, we met the organization here in town that uh, um, has uh, rescue dogs and they foster them. And then you visit the dogs in their home, and then we talked to our vet, and uh, our vet had some pets. And anyway, uh, long story uh, short, uh, we found that as well. The dogs are both lovely. One is named uh, Nebula, and she's a Chihuahua mini pincher mix and then we have a chihuahua um who's named sophia because she pauses and considers everything before taking action and sophia means wisdom (laughs) in greek Uh, and they're both awesome dogs Uh, they're still a little skittish around each other uh, because we had nebula like a month or two before we uh, got sophia um and uh, you could see too that you know they'll be happy they'll be jumping around all of a sudden uh, they'll react to something and start cringing. So we suspect that they also had, uh, um, you know, some violence somewhere in their past and that, that certain things trigger it. So we try to reassure them a lot during those, uh, you know, particular times. Right. That's, uh, you know, they're, they're going through their, you know, our dog is going through his healing process. Um, we, uh, when we first got him and we were feeding him, he would, you know, gobble his food down as fast as possible because yeah. he was probably fighting for his food with other dogs. So, so instead of feeding him all, like his breakfast all at one time, we broke it into, you know, four cupfuls, you know, whatever the portions were. And then we make him sit down and relax before, after we put the food in the bowl, we make him sit down, we pet him, tell him he's a good boy, all that sort of good stuff. And then he goes to eat. So here we are fast forward six months later, he no longer scoffs his food down. And after we put the food in his bowl now, if we don't pet him before he eats, he'll sit there and not eat his food. He would rather be pet. Yeah, he would rather be petted and loved and all that sort of stuff than actually eat. And uh, so once in a while, if we don't do that and we walk away, we come back, he's still sitting there waiting, you know. But uh, so he's getting adjusted very rapidly. One of our dogs uh, does that uh, too. She'll start uh, eating. Uh, and then she'll stop eating and come over and like uh, kiss me with, you know, lick me and stuff and uh, uh, dance around and then go back to eating. And I'd never seen uh, a dog or any other animal do that before where they'd like, thank you, you know, and take a break from uh, gobbling the food then. Uh, so, yes, well, they're, they're definitely worth uh, rescuing. Yeah, that's I mean, that's an indication. Also, the dog is uh, becoming much more relaxed and comfortable knowing his food's going to be there and he's not going to go hungry. Oh, very, so very. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. Well, they, uh, I'm trying to get together a, a monthly show on uh, uh, rescuing animals, and I've, I've talked to a few veterinarians and uh, people at the shelter and so forth. So that's coming together, and within a few months, we'll have oh, a discussion uh, and take it from there. And it'll have resources so that people can like tap into it in their uh, community. 
Um, and one of the other issues I've been looking at, and we've had a few shows on it already, is uh, the uh, question about the deer and the bear and the coyotes and all the other um, uh, animals that are appearing in greater frequency now in uh, Bergen County. And um, uh, I uh, demonstrated uh, on this, um, but the issue is phenomenally complex. And it's not very clear what the humane thing to do for the deer even would be uh, at this point. And uh, I've talked to people throughout the country who've resolved this uh, issue in a variety of ways, some of them which sound uh, barbaric, uh, but they were effective uh, and uh, ultimately uh, humane because there isn't that much uh, disease uh, among the surviving deer or starvation. Uh, so it's a very complex issue. And uh, um, I'm, in addition to the shows I've done, I'm going to continue to do occasional shows on that. I'm going to try to present as many different uh, uh, perspectives as possible because that too is a very polarizing issue. Um, and it's very, it's very, uh, go ahead. So it, it is very polarizing. You know, part of you know the the, the cause of this this challenge here is that the deer simply there are no pre, you know, natural predators out there right. um, that are that are culling the herds and there's all kinds of food available in terms of people's plantings the lawns all that sort of thing um, and you know a, 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 an adult deer only needs the equivalent of one acre of land um, you know to live on and you know a town like Tanafly on, on our street on one acre of land, there's probably, you know, four, there's four houses, you know, everyone has a quarter acre lot, uh, which isn't very large and it's not a lot of space. You know, we have a, a little wooded section, a little portion of our property. And every day there's deer on the side of our house coming out of the wooded, uh, wooded section in the morning, because that's where they sleep at night. Um, you know, so no predators, plentiful food, um, you know, it becomes, it's, it's, we're not quite there, but I think it's very quickly becoming, you know, a potential public uh, health concern when you start getting into the issue of the deer ticks, deer in the road, cars hitting them, cars swerving, people getting hurt. So it's a it's a real problem, and uh, so far no one has the uh, no one has the solution to it. I know in Englewood, at their uh, their nature preserve, they put up uh, I think ten foot high fences because a deer can't jump over ten feet. And they also won't jump over a fence or a wall if they can't see what they're jumping into. Um, mm-hmm. so you've got people doing that. And then what happens is that sends the deer on to someone else's property, which, uh, you know, creates uh, creates the problem somewhere else. Um, so the uh, one thing that's like we, my wife was walking the dog, I believe, today, and uh, she was in an area and there was a little coyote that scurried across that path. And so wow. our dog went a little, yeah, our dog went a little nuts, of course. Uh, but again, our dog is seventy something pounds. This was a small coyote, and it, and it was more scared of us uh, than than it was than my wife uh, than, than it was uh, than my wife and dog were of it. Um, but uh, you know, the coyotes are coming back as predators because there's deer. So where you know remains to be seen where this is all going to wind up. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's again, it's, it's something where the answer is not uh, very clear. I wrote an article on bears, and it might be in the next uh, borough newsletter, um, because bears have been uh, spotted. You brought this up, and I actually met somebody yep. who, who uh, spotted a bear, so I got to ask a lot of uh, questions. And uh, uh, it was a baby bear uh, without its uh, mother. 
and it was on one of the golf courses. So uh, the bears are starting to come to this area. And I lived in northwestern New Jersey, where seeing bears is almost a daily uh, occurrence. And in Pennsylvania, <laughs> where ditto, you know, bears are there. Um, so there, I know that uh, places where the bears are, are common, there too, they're polarized on what to do about it. Uh, but there are some common practices which will minimize uh, bad encounters with uh, you know, bears. And some of them are fairly simple. You know, do not approach the bear and try to take a selfie. Uh, you know, right. get, right. do not leave diapers in your garbage unless you have one of those right. bear poop. Uh, you know, there, there are very, some very simple things that uh, not that it will totally eliminate uh, uh, bad experiences with bears, but it will really, really minimize it if you understood you know, what a bear is likely to do and, and not rely on old myths like playing dead because uh, bears are scavengers. Right. <laughs> so if you're right, playing dead, right. you know, your, your food on a plate, you know, in the, in the bear's mind. So um, there too, we need to raise uh, our awareness and because uh, uh, it's happening more and more and it might be tied to climate change. It might not be tied to climate change. I've heard, I've heard many different arguments and, uh, um, I feel that what well, I can contribute to that because I'm not an expert on bears uh, and I certainly don't know what the right answer is, is at least to provide a platform where people can discuss it and feel safe discussing it. Uh, and this way the information starts getting out there and people can you know, at least be more informed when they're making decisions. So, you know, bears, they, they're, they're, like you said, they're scavengers. They move to where the food is. That's, mm-hmm. you know, where, where, where a deer, like we mentioned before, wanders on one acre of land. Uh, a bear, I believe, goes about 100 square miles, you know, uh, to wander for food. So they have a much wider range. And, uh, again, you hit the nail on the head. That people put garbage in their, you know, open garbage containers, things that, you know, they put their uh, – they put plastic bags out on the street for their garbage rather than putting them in metal or tightly sealed plastic containers. And um, that's just like a buffet for the bear. They're scavenging for those sort of things. And, uh, you know, we're in suburbia, so you have uh, people of every people. There's every particular practice of the way people treat their garbage uh, because there's so many people around here. I remember when uh, I was a Boy Scout and we would go camping and we would do the old school way. You know, we would, you know, there'd be a duffel bag with a rope around it on the top, you know, and a limb and our food would be hanging away from the camp in midair so the bear couldn't get to it by either the, you know, climbing the tree or jumping up. But, uh, you know, there were no Snickers bars in our, in our tents or anything that the bear could eat. And um, you're right. There are common sense things that have to be done so that the bears are not attracted to us. And I would probably put selfies with bears as one of the dumbest things someone could possibly do. There's no other way to call it. But they do that, and that that is uh, it, they'll post them on Facebook, and it's very alarming, right. and and sometimes it uh, it leads to tragedy. It leads to tragedy. It's uh, not. It's it's a terrible thing. It's very unfortunate, and uh, you know, I, it's uh, I know using the term dumb isn't the nicest thing to do, but people need to understand. Kids need to understand that's a dumb thing to do. If you come across a bear, they need to take your advice, which is don't approach it stay away from it. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, and I'll send you a, a draft of the article uh, b- before I send it back uh, to uh, Burr Hall. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, now, one of the concerns that's been raised, uh, especially in uh, Sussex uh, County, 
uh, is that they have the uh, poison uh, algae there now and flesh-eating sure. algae. Uh, and Lake Hapakong especially, you know, there have been uh, cases uh, there. Now, uh, this was originally uh, something in Florida that we first started, uh, first started getting public attention, and it's been coming north, and now it's uh, here. Um, is there anything we can do locally? Uh, like, it's, it's very disturbing to me that uh, the water from the Tenekil winds up in our drinking water. Uh, so... Uh, um, I don't know if uh, the Tenekil can develop uh, dangerous uh, algaes, but it's, it's shallow uh, and it certainly has other conditions uh, for that. Is there anything we can do to like, proactively prevent uh, these algaes from coming up and infesting our water supply? Well, look, so we, you know, there, there are lots of little things we can do, you know, um, don't, don't, don't pour uh, liquid soap or empty, you know, empty your paint cans down into the storm drain system, which all feed into, um, which all feed into like the Tenekil, and then they go to aquifers and reservoirs and things of that nature. You know, clean up after your dogs. I mean, there's a laundry list of uh, chemicals. You know, we're we're all out there. I mean, I shouldn't say all of us, but many people, you know, spray their lawns with. Uh, with pesticides to to kill living things, and sometimes I think the pesticides aren't uh, aren't uh, don't concern themselves with what they kill or what they poison. Um, you know, for one, uh, you know, my wife and I, we never use pesticides on our lawns. It's just we let nature handle itself. The rain comes down, right. the lawn grows. We don't put any chemicals out to kill anything. Uh, because all that winds up in our water supply systems, and it all adds up. Um, and that's, you know, we have golf courses where uh, the pesticides are used, herbicides are used uh, to keep them beautiful. And, you know, I get that, but we have to find safer ways of doing all these things. And uh, the homeowners should think twice before they're putting chemicals on their lawns to kill living things, whether it's plants or insects, uh, because it has an effect. It has to go somewhere when it rains. And uh, water is very lazy. It finds its way to the, the, to the lowest source and the easiest source to move by, which are things like the tentacle, again, which feed into, uh, um, in, into aquifers. So, uh, so it becomes an issue. Mark, uh, we're reaching the end of our journey together today. It passed uh, very quickly. I always enjoy speaking oh, that was very uh, quick. you. Yes, it was. Um, I put on uh, the Facebook uh, promotions uh, a link to your Facebook uh, page. I know you're not very active there, and also to your um, election uh, page. Uh, are there any other links you'd like me to include? Well, we have our uh, Zina 2019. Um, uh, I have a link to that. Yeah, you have a link to that? Um, yes. So that's our uh, website. And uh, as soon as Labor Day, Labor Day is a key day for uh, political campaigns in northern New Jersey because after Labor Day, uh, residents start paying attention to what's going on in terms of elections again. And so I become much more active on Facebook once uh, Labor Day comes. So thank you for those links. I appreciate it. And if there's anything else you'd like me to link to, please uh, uh, send me over the link in an email or let me know, and I'll gladly put it up there. I certainly will. I appreciate your time, Hercules. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Same here. Thanks again, Mark. Um, we're right. going to listen to a quick song, Evolve, by Bum Poets Orchestra, and then we will be back with the Sussex Report. Thank you very much again, Mark Zinnock.
I am your guest host today in this segment, the Sussex Report, because Astrid is not available. Uh, And in honor of Astrid, I'll be adding a resource a day uh, that was available in Sussex County to my uh, timeline so that those of you who uh, live in Sussex County or nearby can take advantage of them. And this is something Astrid had started uh, and it caught on, and I'm very honored to keep it going. Now, one of the guests, that uh, Astrid has been wanting to get on for a while is uh, Kath Galvin, and I'm greatly honored to say that Kath Galvin is here with us today. Greetings and welcome, Kath. Hi, Hercules. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. 
Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for being here. And uh, um, I wish I had five dollars for every time Astrid said that she has to get you on the show. Uh, um, so I'm glad I'm glad that you're finally here. Why don't you tell us about uh, yourself and uh, your journey and uh, all the wonderful things you're currently doing? Because you're very active in your community and uh, you've initiated many initiatives that that are beneficial to people. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I want to just say thank you to Astrid too. She's a, definitely a soul sister of mine. We go way She's back, old. and uh, she is amazing. Uh, we're both yeah. lefties too. And Artie and each of us have one child, so we definitely have some similarities. Um, yeah, my, well, I've lived in Sussex County for about 25 years, um, but I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. So um, my roots are in a neighborhood. I grew up with, you know, a community where everyone knew each other by their name, and I knew all the families and. You know, it felt like a small town, even though we were in a big city. And I guess I've always been seeking that here in Sussex County, where it's a lot more sprawled out. And mm-hmm. um, and, and the point of view can be different than I'm used to. Um, and so finding your tribe here in Sussex County can can take a little while. You know, I always try to, you know, talk to all different kinds of people. But I do enjoy being around artists and thinkers and creative people and activists and just hearing what they're doing and being part of creating that community. Um, so I, I, I guess that's some And uh, uh, they have their, like an emerging artist uh, community or an expanding because it's been there for a while. And, uh, yeah, it's very exciting. There, there are things happening in Sussex County, but uh, unless you know about them, again, you, you have no access to them. Uh, you, you tried to solve that through your website. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I've done. I mean, it was really, it kind of grew out of my own need. Uh, so what's going on? What, what would be interesting? What do I want to do? What's going on this weekend? And then, then I was like, oh, people don't really know about these things going on. So I just really focused on the Facebook page because that's pretty quick and easy. If I see something, see an article about something going on interesting or um, some kind of activism going on or something positive culturally, um, a learning opportunity, all those kind of things, music, I do my best to share that on the Facebook page so people know about it. And, um, And I feel like people don't know what a gem Northwest New Jersey is. It really has a lot going for it, and um, sometimes that always does, that doesn't always come across in the media. And I, I'd like to be part of changing that. Um, you know, the, the the you know some of these stereotypes or misconceptions about the area. That sounds exciting, and uh, I will tell you what is developing. And if you're interested, uh, you're welcome to you know to participate or play or any way you want to look at it. Um, I currently have a few shows that are uh, focused on uh, Sussex County. We have, of course, the Sussex Report, uh, where Astrid is uh, the host, and Astrid started gathering resources, and I've been posting them on uh, Facebook um, to Mm -hmm. let people know wonderful things that that are happening uh, there. Um, And then we have Bill Waitman, of course, who's covering uh, uh, northern New Jersey, but focuses a lot on uh, Sussex County. 
Uh, and we have Linda Marciniak's The Amber Dragon, which is based in her business in uh, Branchville. Uh, but she's very yeah. involved with the Chamber of Commerce and so forth. Uh, and Linda Garaband, who's been a guest on the shows, uh, she's also part of that emerging uh, community uh, there in uh, Sussex uh, County around the Branchville uh, area. She's in another town. Uh, however, so we're, we're going to have all these four shows uh, focused on uh, um, Sussex County. And uh, I had just spoken to Astrid before she went away about how what I'd like to do is like uh, add like a five minute segment in each of these shows uh, where somebody gives an update on what is going on in Sussex County and like in Northern uh, New Jersey. So if you'd like mm-hmm. to uh, uh, be part of that, it'd be like uh, a few times a month for like five or 10 minutes, uh, but you could share um, what's going on and you can also uh, promote your website. Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy to share that. I mean, it just, I think it's so important to shine a light on the positive things going on. And it was so interesting to me that I was working on this and Diane, I mean, my, um, my, my some friends of mine were working on other things and, and, and different, different things kept coming back up. And, um, and so it was interesting to me to hear of Astrid's another friend was doing was also working on this so that was pretty yeah. exciting to hear i have an entire shopping bag full of resources and uh um astrid like sending uh emails too so i'm on her email list so uh, i have i have enough information to post something on uh, uh sussex county and northwest new jersey every day uh so rather than being a sporadic <laughs> thing that's the next project on my end to at least get this up uh, every day and when we have a show that's uh, focused on Sussex or uh, Northwestern New Jersey, uh, to have somebody live coming on and uh, giving an update. And th- this way, at least, uh, uh, we'll get the information out there in like a little bit of a wider circle. That's awesome. That, and Yeah, that's awesome. And I think there's a need for it because there's not too many media outlets focusing on Northwest New Jersey or even Northern New Jersey. So this is fantastic that you're doing this it's it's been needed for a really long time so i'm thrilled that you're doing this so thank you you're welcome and thank you for what do you call being on board and we'll make it even better and what more wider reaching and uh, more appealing to people awesome that's awesome yeah now, you had mentioned, uh, and uh, Astrid had mentioned, and Bill had mentioned, because Bill uh, Waitman has invited you to be on his segment uh, following this segment. Uh, so we'll get a, a brief musical interlude of around five to seven minutes, and then we start the, the next segment. Uh, but Bill requested that you come on to his show as well, because uh, you are uh, also uh, politically aware, you're politically astute, and you're very involved uh, uh, in activism and in your community. Yeah, you know, I I think a lot of it comes down to quality of life. Uh, What your political leanings can be can change. Like if you you can change the person who's in power or you can, you know, get to speak with them, you can maybe work on a policy that actually affects uh, somebody's life and makes your life better. I mean, so, you know, I think I used to shy away from the political side of it but i realize it's the it is the way to improve quality of life it's it's a it's a it's a big piece of it 
I find that that's true also. I stayed away from politics for very many uh, years. I, I became active when I was in my uh, early 20s, uh, which was many, many years ago, now in my 60s. Um, and what happened then was I found that uh, politics uh, was eating up my life. <laughs> and at that point, I was in my 20s. So uh, I had, you know, I was... Uh, um, uh, married at the time, I had a child, and uh, um, I was investigating all sorts of mysteries like UFOs and ghosts and so forth. So, uh, budgeting the the political stuff uh, was very difficult. I had to give things up, and that was one of the things that uh, I gave up. Uh, and now, as I re-enter it, I'm better at uh, you know getting involved uh, to a point. But I'm finding that it is it's the most effective way to change things. And uh, I'm yeah. also lucky to be living in Bergen um, because a lot of the politicians that uh, I've uh, come in contact with, some of whom have been on the show, uh, even though they disagree about the best way to get something done, are really focused on the, the common good. And uh, yeah. their track record shows it and, uh, you know, the, the amount of time they give to it. And, you know, so, so there are really good people trying to make the world a better place. And uh, a lot of them are politicians. Absolutely. And I think it's important, like, you know, focusing on the arts on the one end of the spectrum and community gatherings and things like that. And then also going to very dry political and governmental meetings in, and really being part of all of that, I realized, yeah, same as you. I've come to that realization. You have to be part of the, the full end, uh, both ends of the spectrum when it comes to community. Very true. And I'm, I'm finding that uh, a lot of people aren't aware how accessible uh, getting involved politically happens uh, to be. Uh, that, you know, there are mayor, if you can't go anywhere because your uh, schedule doesn't allow it, you could watch it on TV, listening to it in the radio. A lot of the meetings are recorded or pre-recorded. Um, and uh, you can interact by signing petitions or writing letters. And it takes a while to figure out what's more effective, to, you know, for the person that you're writing to. But there are ways of making your uh, opinion known. And uh, a lot of uh, people in public uh, service take the time to respond to you in, in very well thought out and thoughtful uh, letters as well. Um, and uh, there are yeah. many different venues uh, where you can listen to what they have to say and uh, hear what they're thinking and why they're doing what they're doing. So it's not as inaccessible as most uh, people think. And uh, there are ways you can get involved uh, by attending uh, municipal meetings where you can get to know them personally. And, um, you know, if you're elected in, uh, help make decisions that uh, keep the process moving. So it's, it's not something that's denied us. It's not even something that's very difficult. Uh, but a lot of people don't know that, and, or some people prefer to just complain about it. <laughs> Sometimes that's easier. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really not that hard. And um, there's uh, there, and I think maybe because of social media, for it's good and bad, there are people that are in my community that I didn't realize um, were on the same page or wanted like better education, more culture, more arts, more better, you know, transportation, that there were people who had the same kind of point of view. 
but mm-hmm. you didn't really know that until places like Facebook where you could find out, you know, what your friends or neighbors were thought about different things. And now we kind of, we've, we're finding our people that are w- willing to work towards the same goals together, which is really helpful. Uh, yes, that's very true. I found that uh, Facebook was not helpful in the ways I anticipated, uh, but in terms of raising awareness, it's been excellent. Um, and yeah. uh, um, I don't I, publicly, I don't do very much, uh, or at least I think I'm not doing very much. Uh, other people tell me I'm doing too much, um, but uh, <laughs> in my eyes, it's just I look at, I get overwhelmed by the amount of things that need to be addressed that I'd love to do something about. But uh, on Facebook, people at least are aware of things, and uh, uh, people have sent money to the library where I do library-type things, uh, uh, like enrichment programs and and so forth. So it it is uh, wonderful that uh, it it allows you to share information, connect with people who um, think similarly or think differently but are willing to explore why we don't see things the same way. So it's been great for that reason. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's been wonderful. Yeah. Now, where is your activism focused? What issues do you feel very strongly about and and devote a lot of time to? I would say one of my top things is education and beyond education, just learning in general. Um, I homeschooled my daughter for a few years. Now she's at the community college and she loves it. But I also think um, just learning can happen in so many different ways and venues. I, I really, I'm passionate about that, like creating um, opportunities for learning everywhere beyond the walls of a school. Not that I don't love schools. I do love schools, but I just think, um, just giving people, just encouraging mentorships, learning, kids following their passion, adults following their passion, and tapping into what they love and what, what their, you know, maybe where their talents are and, and meet their dreams. You know, finding that space to go after the things that you always wanted to do. So I would say that's one of my focuses which is why I'm following closely some of the stuff going on locally with our community college. But that's one focus. And then health, too, learning how to be healthy, stay healthy, think healthy. That's important to me as well. And that's something I'm working towards myself. Um, I feel the same way. I'm part of uh, the Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign. And uh, it's something I take uh, very seriously. And uh, uh, once every year and a half or so, I'll do something like a public uh, type of initiative, small or large, uh, depending on how it unfolds. Uh, But that's something that I focus on a lot. And uh, uh, a lot of my shows are wellness-based or well-being-based because of that, you know, because uh, I'm on the same path trying to be as healthy as possible, especially now as I'm in my 60s. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. other people are the same way. So uh, I share, um, I have people on that are pursuing the same type of path, you know, with weightlifting and strength training and things like that. But then the other half of the 
um, health shows are for people who are doing something very different. And, and this because I know not everybody's interested in uh, <laughs> the type of fitness that appeals to me. So th- that'd be great. And uh, you've uh, given me reason to invite you on two other shows, one of the wellness shows, so you could share uh, what you're doing there and also uh, on the education and enrichment. Uh, that's something I care about as well. Um, I've been doing things in libraries for decades. Awesome. Uh, and, wow. Uh, their enrichment programs, and um, I've developed my own enrichment program, and I do things for other people's enrichment programs. So I care about that as well. So I can see us having great conversations uh, about that. Awesome! It's it's fascinating stuff, and I think, like you said, as you as you get a little older, you really appreciate, you know, uh, your wellness, and and I don't take my wellness for granted. Uh, Nor do I. And I want to maintain it. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, I'm always interested in the paths that people are choosing because there's so many. So I'd, I'd be happy That's to help out and get in. What's that? That's part of the problem. There, there aren't any easy answers uh, <laughs> like in everything else. Uh, there's so many different ways, and the ways that are presented are contradictory. Uh, so you really have to experiment and find uh, which ways work for you. And some of them are dangerous. Yeah. Um, I, I was like lifting weights. And uh, uh, uh-huh. when we lived in Pennsylvania, I was looking at what did people do to get like really huge before steroids? Because I don't want to go that mm-hmm. particular path. And uh, so yeah. I found like some old dietary practices like linking, drinking a gallon of milk a day and eating like a ridiculous amount of oranges. So I tried those because uh, people <laughs> were really big. That's what they were doing. Uh, and yeah. uh, I gave myself type two diabetes <laughs> by, by following the oh, path no. through here. Yeah. And until the point where my body, uh, you know, just uh, started uh, responding, it worked really well. <laughs> I hadn't been as big or as strong <laughs> since my youth and I felt phenomenal and then all of a sudden I started losing the muscle and I started falling downstairs. So, uh, you know, wow. I was taking in and I was lactose intolerant too. So it took me a while to build up to being able to drink a gallon of milk a day. But that's what I mean. The advice was good for these guys, but it wasn't good. It wasn't good for me, but I didn't know that until I tried it. So uh, it's the same yeah. with a lot of people out there. Absolutely. You know, the way I'm, eating now and you know exercising now is very different than I would have you know I think I've changed it up every decade pretty much (laughs) but you know this this seems to be working best for me right now but it's not what I would have expected to be doing yeah yeah I I found uh, that when I was first diagnosed an Atkins type uh, diet that's high protein yeah fat, low carbohydrates, work wonders for me. I was even able to control my uh, blood sugar uh, by eating that way. So I ate that way for a long time and it worked until the day it didn't work. <laughs> and then uh, um, I, I, that's happened several times and it's happening again now that what I found that worked fantastically, worked fantastically for a while. And then all of a sudden my body started reacting to the uh, foods that I was eating. So now I'm easing into a Mediterranean type uh, diet, which might be better because I am Mediterranean. So uh, we'll see what ah. happens. I, I I hear you there. I I've, I've been doing uh, what's the, called the ketogenic diet for yes, about yes. 14 months, mm-hmm. and um, 
I feel a lot better, but I I don't want to be dogmatic about it because I do right. feel that as as my body shifts or changes or if it doesn't feel like it's working or or like you said, it's I think that's the most important thing to be listening. Does this still feel good? Is this still working for me? To always be checking in for that and not to be afraid to try something else or tweak it so it keeps working for you or something right. new works for you. Yeah, absolutely. I developed, a, it, it sounds strange, but uh, my wife in researching it uh, found that uh, actually it's uh, valid. My tongue, uh, it, it does like a certain flavor. It's, it's, it's difficult to describe the flavor uh, if something is affecting mm-hmm. my uh, blood sugar. So uh, really? the more I eat of it, the worse the flavor, the taste uh, of it, it gets. Uh, so that's kind of like an early uh, warning sign. So if I'm eating something and it sets off my tongue, it tells me to start cutting that out. And then I'll test it a few times. Uh, and sometimes I'm able to eat what I was eating and sometimes I'm not. A good uh, um, thing uh, with that was uh, with uh, peanut butter. Because in my early days of the Atkins type diet, a peanut butter was great. So I used to eat peanut butter. That became my ice yeah. cream that everything you know yummy <laughs> and then uh, one day it got the reaction <laughs> yes. on my uh, tongue and then uh, every time i've eaten peanut butter since and, and it's been a while now i get that reaction so peanut butter is off my list of things uh, to eat oh i'm sorry to hear that because that's one of my favorite foods too <laughs> yeah it's great <laughs> wow this is uh, amazing i can see why astrid has been wanting you to be on the show uh, for so long so Astrid is very active Aww. also. She is, she's a wonderful uh, person. I love Astrid very much. Yeah. Um, what type of things do you and Astrid uh, do? Well, oh, that's so funny. Well, I I would say just both being lefties, we both live by the water, both having one kid, and we've just always connected as far as being a little different from your typical <laughs> Sussex County resident. And I love the way she sees the world in a bigger way, uh, just yes. the metaphysical way she looks at it, almost like starry-eyed, I would say. That kind of fits her. And she's mm-hmm. always been about the stars and the moon, and I've always been about the sun. It's just a funny thing that we have. So that's that's one of our connections too. Is just like you know, just just a deep a deep respect for that we are small and part of something way bigger. And I, I, even though we come to it from different, maybe different, slightly different tribes, our our lives overlap in in many ways. And she's been an amazing mentor to me, a friend, so giving. I can't even tell you. And, she is, just, yes. and just hearing her point of view on things, I said to her the other day, I said, what you're doing, what she's doing with the, with the podcast with you, or Astrid's doing, I said, it kind of reminds me of what Marianne Williamson's doing with the presidential campaign. It's kind of take, taking what's going on in our culture and kind of seeing it from like a little bit away, like from a metaphysical point of view or from a higher point of view when you step back or you you know and I just feel like she's she's tapping into that on the local level yeah so we can always turn I can talk about anything 
pretty much. I feel the same way uh, about her. And uh, we discovered by taking uh, this journey that um, because we're, we're trying to focus on the positive things happening as well. And we've learned that there's so many positive things happening that you can't even be aware of all the positive things happening in your own community. And that yeah. um, if you're looking for these things to share them uh, with others. Uh, that's where your focus is for most of uh, the day. And uh, that's the world you start living in. You start living in a world that uh, may have its challenges, and some of them are phenomenally big challenges, but it's also filled with well-intentioned people who are trying to make things better, not just for themselves and their loved ones or, or even for their uh, party or religion, but for everybody. And uh, that is a good thing to uh, see and to experience and to have reinforced that the world is also full of good people who care. Absolutely. And it could be as little as somebody holding a door for you when you're going into or out of a, a building, you know, right. and you don't know what their, their politics or their religion is, and it doesn't matter. And, and, right. and, and the, more, the more moments we have like that where we don't have our labels on, the better. I agree a million uh, percent, and that's one of the things we're trying to uh, uh, also address by having people that hold divergent uh, viewpoints. And what we're finding so far with that, uh, too, is that there's more agreement than our polarizing culture would have you believe. Uh, one of our yeah. frequent guests is a conservative Republican, uh, and he's very uh -huh. conservative and very Republican. He has a podcast, and he makes sure that you know that he's a Republican and he's conservative. And yet, <laughs> we have a phenomenal amount of things that we agree on and see you know, the same way or very similarly. So despite the fact that we have a different ideological uh, um, view, there are so many things we can work on together that why don't we just do that? And like the other stuff, you know, let's not work on those things together, <laughs> but let's, let's find the things we agree on and, and work together there and uh, a respect right. develop. And uh, you relate on a human level rather than a political party level or, you know, so uh, th that's something we'd like to do uh, more as well. Absolutely. Finding the common ground is probably what's going to help us, um, heal from some of the things that have been going on recently. Wow. Okay. Awesome. Um, I believe <laughs> that as well too. And that's something that some people criticize me on, you know, th that I'm having people with di divergent viewpoints, but I believe it's very important. You don't have to agree with uh, someone, but uh, often it helps uh, uh, hear them reason something out. And uh, sometimes it's a, uh, it's a matter of nomenclature. They might be saying the same thing you're saying it, but, but you know, different. And uh, if you identify that, you found that there too, where you thought you had nothing in common, you have something in common. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's almost always room for some common ground. Agreed. Now, what we have only a few minutes left, I think, until the, the break. So you are someone who takes action. Uh, you are someone who wanted to uh, recreate in Sussex County what you had in uh, Brooklyn. Uh, you're involved. Uh, you've started your own initiative to um, help you bring to people something that you wish uh, you had. 
a lot of people don't have the confidence or the belief in themselves uh, to go out and do something like that. Uh, what would you advise these people? Oh, wow. Well, I'm still working on that confidence piece, but I would say um, fake it till you make it. And I mean, every failure is an opportunity to learn. So there really isn't right. a failure. You just jump in. You jump in and you just do one small piece and just keep moving forward. I mean, I mean, that's what I did with my daughter when we were homeschooling. It was just like, we're just, we're not going to always get this right. We're probably not going to cover every subject right, but we're just going to keep moving forward. And then you learn how to learn from um, the mistakes you've made or your missteps or your successes and just keep trying. And that's important and well worth repeating uh, every day that, yes, uh, making a mistake is how you learn. So you shouldn't beat yourself up uh, if uh, what you attempted uh, didn't work out the first time. It might take many attempts, you know, until it works out. But the important thing is not to give up. Just try something different. Don't do what isn't working. And, uh, yes, it's a process. Uh, and uh, that is something uh, very, very important. And uh, we'll conclude by asking you um, if all unfolds like you would like it to unfold with the things that you're doing, what type of world would you like to create through your activities? Oh, wow. I love that question, Hercules. Thank you. Uh, I, I would like to be able to have the best of, a little downtown hub of culture, art, music, community, diversity, along with access to the beautiful waterfalls, parks, forests, and beautiful spaces and the fantastic night sky that we have here in Northwest New Jersey. It's so unique. It's not really like any other place that I can think of. Um, and that would be my dream is to have the best of those, best, best of both, uh, community and natural beauty, beauty and uh, to be able to enjoy, enjoy both of those uh, with all different kinds of people. That is an awesome dream, and uh, may it come true for yourself and for all of us, because that's wonderful. Thank you, Hercules. And really how appreciate can, that. I really do. Well, you're awesome. <laughs> um, how can people uh, um, access what you're doing through your website? And is there any other place you'd like to direct them to enter your world and what you're doing? Sure. Um, I think Facebook is a good place uh, for the, the page that I do. It's called NWNJ uh, Living. So it's Northwest New Jersey Living, and I'll just post, like I said, like events happening. I've got a couple for this weekend that are going on, uh, a couple of things coming up. So there's that website, uh, there's, that, there's that Facebook page, and then my website is northwestnewjerseyliving.net, and that's a work in progress. That's, uh, I'm definitely having my, my share of learning opportunities building a website, but I am trying to just have like a database of, you know, the top farmer's markets and the top, you know, spas and the top 
um, you know, community activism groups so that, and to have those available on that website. So I'm getting there. Awesome. If you uh, send me uh, at my email things that you'd like uh, attention drawn to, I'll gladly put them uh, in there with uh, Astrid's uh, daily reports. Uh, and this way, um, if we can link to it like once a week or something, uh, people can visit uh, fairly often. That's awesome. I, I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate everything you and Astrid are doing and the, you know, the service that you're offering, creating a, a community conversation is, is huge. So thank you. And your community and all our communities are blessing with what you're doing because, uh, again, you're giving your time and energy to creating a better life for people beyond yourself and your family. And uh, that's the heroic way. So uh, we're going to take a brief break. Thank you. We're going to listen to Dave the Bard's uh, Cauldron Born, and then we'll be back. Uh, Kath is going to be a guest on Bill Waitman's show, uh, so the conversation will continue. Will 
and uh, introduce Bill Waitman and the Eye on Northern New Jersey. Greetings, Bill. How are you today? I'm doing excellent. I I I, uh, I, I don't know. A lot of people want to be on tonight. I, I assume that's good. I don't know what they're having trouble with the number. Um, no, we have, I, we have uh, people here. Actually, we have two people. We have Kath uh, Galvin. She's still on the line. And you have oh, uh, another caller. So let me put them on. Okay, everybody is now on. How you doing, Kath? Hi. I, I didn't. I didn't get the other person, but go ahead. No, there's another person here, Bill. Oh, oh yeah, this is Greg Gorman, Bill. Oh, you're on. Okay, I expected Greg. I'm glad you're on. Um, uh, we, uh, Kath, you're from Sussex County. Uh, yes. Hi, uh, Her- Her- Hercules knows that uh, Greg is from the Sierra Club. I think you might know okay. that he was uh, very involved with the uh, lake situations, uh, uh, especially uh, Lake Apakong. Uh He's very involved in the uh, Highlands region, and uh, we were both offended. We I, I don't know. If, I forgot if Greg attended. I couldn't attend the uh, freeholder meeting, which I saw as a farce. And I, that's one of the topics. I'm glad Greg is here. We were both working on a letter. I, I actually put one together. I think I sent it to you, Greg. Uh, yes, I saw. We don't, uh, you know, I'm very upset because, uh, first of all, it's ridiculous. I used to be in charge of uh, Department of Labor offices in Sussex and Warren County, and I didn't see any great uh, impact from uh, farm workers. I also worked in South uh, Jersey uh, many years ago to bring in a um, judge's decision called the Judge Ritchie decision, which gave migrant workers the right to choose other occupations and to look for, uh, you know, education for their children and everything else. I don't remember who was the governor, but I did that on a July 4th, um, and I had to wait in the fields of cranberry box for that. But uh, the actions of a sheriff who I admired once and the um, – uh, the freeholders were one or two that I liked. I, I did like uh, uh, the one from Hudson County. I can't remember his name, but he's leaving. And I see that they are electing the bum of the month every time they have a new uh, candidate, you know, a new election. They dump people off like uh, 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 Jonathan Rose, who I thought was halfway good for a freeholder. But uh, this is just an attack on the governor. Uh, Greg, do you agree? Yeah, it looks like uh, that's that's basically what it is. The governor, actually, attorney general, sent out a directive last year, earlier this year, that uh, set up the New Jersey what they call a sanctuary state, um, and and I think it's in response to to that action. Um, the you know, I look at have, the. Go ahead. I was going to say that the freeholders took an action uh, to uh, put a referendum on the ballot uh, to get the uh, voters to uh, uh, vote whether they can commit to uh, a course that's, that's favored by the Republicans. The Ocean County freeholders uh, already announced that they were going to uh, file a similar uh, lawsuit against the governor. Uh, I don't see why we need two of them, but I don't know. Anyway, it's it's, uh, it's not a not a not a good thing. That's all. And we know that uh, 
I looked at the uh, the um, the FBI and the state police records. Uh, immigrants in Sussex County, for the most part, uh, first of all, the numbers are you know uh, are not that high that come into the county. Although uh, uh, right at this moment, it's 8.6 percent of our population of our county are immigrants, and uh, some other groups that are coming in. I know that I looked at uh, English as a second language training. That's up to about 9.3 percent. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, those are other ethnic groups that are coming in. Who knows from where? Uh, you know, you know, maybe Europe area or Latin America or whatever. But uh, it's it's kind of really just the political stance that seems really kind of disgusting uh, in a state like New Jersey. I mean, California's fighting this, uh, New York State's fighting this, and this administration just goes off on the, uh, you know, off the beam on these kind of issues. Bill, if I may interrupt for a second, um, you have another. Um, guest on Cindy. I yes, she's. I've been talking she's to her about too. another. Okay, we could, we could put her on too. Um, okay, she's on with you. She. Uh, Hello. Okay. Yes. Hi, Cynthia. Uh, hi. How are you, sir? I, okay, I've got a, a member of the Sierra Club, Greg Gorman. Uh, I hi, have Mr. Kath, Gorman. Hello, Kath, 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 we call you Kath Cameron. Cass Galvin or Cass Cameron, either one's fine, Bill. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry I'm blowing your name. Um, no, no, it's fine. And, it's just Cass. <laughs> all right. And then there's somebody else there? No, it's just me, Cindy. Now, what are we talking about now? Well, we're going to switch for a second because Greg is uh, with the Sierra Club. Can I hit your mm-hmm. expertise, Greg, for a few uh, minutes? She's, she, we were talking about Newark Water today, and um, for a long time, uh, I've been worried about, because my lake is below the Edison mine, and it's below a, DB, a DEP, um, what do you call it, uh, uh, Audubon Society tree cut, which makes no sense. I think trees are for birds, and I don't know why the Audubon Society would be cutting them down. But I just paid, and so did other people in our community and some of the other lakes. We paid to have our lake dug up, so we have an assessment for 10 years to clean it. Here's my problem. Our lake flows into Newark, and I'm really surprised that the DEP uh, went along with this. And secondly, our lake eventually lies, lies, uh, its waters flow into Paquonic, where there's been a lot of uh, lead in the water. Uh, and the pipes and whatnot, and then that flows down to Newark and Belleville and other communities. Okay. Some of those okay. communities want to get okay. off that system. Listen, Go ahead. you know, I grew up in West Orange. I'm not from Newark, but let's get something straight as an arrow. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. This mm-hmm. is the reason why people pay taxes. Now, if there is a problem with the water, that's, you know, that's local government. And if if it's been going on for this long, it didn't happen overnight. Right. No, it didn't. Okay. Now, the one thing I've said to you, Bill, you're my dear friend, but I hate when people insult my intelligence. Okay, so where did the money go? 
The money yeah, goes down it. somebody's pocket. <laughs> it, uh, it goes okay, that's why I say, and don't insult my intelligence. If something has been no, going I'm, on for this long, and somebody's, oh, it was a lead problem, really? Or was it this problem, it's really? All way, uh, it's, all, it's all the way up the system. I mean, and Quantic is, uh, uh, is where but, a number of our lakes flow into and then down. Uh, you know, there's, yeah, uh, there's but a the lake. Pro- the issue is, once again, that who is responsible? I don't, yeah. uh, Greg, do you know who's overall responsible? Uh, you're talking about that lead issue, the Newark has. Uh, it sounds like uh, uh, what's happening in Newark is the uh, maintenance of the plumbing. Uh, yeah. these, 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 uh, these, uh, this uh, reservoir is fed into it. It goes, it gets into Newark, and, and they use lead back in the 20s and 30s when, when everything was laid out, and it's starting to deteriorate. And that, that's raising the lead levels. You know, it's my understanding that the uh, water coming out of the reservoir is coming out clean. It's, it's, it's definitely coming out of, the, out of the pipes that they're using. And it is a very bad problem in Newark uh, in the sense that uh, uh, they have to provide uh, water and, and they're not doing it. I think there that's was not the point. There. The point is yeah. it didn't happen over Night. Oh no, no, it, it, it's been for a long time. You're 100 percent correct. You know yeah, what? It's, exactly. Uh, yeah. So then, when it, people it, act all uh, shocked, oh really? This happened? No, it did not. Okay. Yeah. For lead and the lead pipes and all of these problems. Or any other problems when people act baffled and stupefied. Like I said, don't insult my intelligence. No, we're not doing that. Who is some? You know, no, no. Here's the thing. This is tax dollars. Tax dollars pay for these problems to be fixed. So apparently, someone. Somewhere, or may I say a lot of people, have just gone a blind eye to it. So, and then when they said, oh, wow, oh, there's lead poisoning, and they ask, oh, how did this happen? Well, we know. We know they would expect it or any other problem. But there are other problems. Exactly. By those reservoirs. Uh, I, I was told by somebody that, you know, puts takes care of the snow in the winter, that they're using fracking waste. And I don't know if, yeah. Greg, you can back that up, uh, but fracking oh, I, waste. Yeah, I, I, have, I have um, learned about fracking waste up in, uh, up in New Jersey. Well, my problem, once again, is insulting my Is that not a, the most absurd thing you've ever heard? Why would anybody do that? Unless they're getting away with it. So where is the city government? Where are the people that are allowing this to happen? I can tell you one thing. I was 22 years old and I worked in Newark. I worked for the city and the state. And I found a water commission. I found something wrong with the Newark uh, watershed. And I alerted people in Newark. 
And, uh, you know, I, I, luckily I left Newark. I told you that. I wound up going to Trenton and, and doing research and other stuff. But when they tracked down the uh, water commissioner, he was living in Florida. He was nowhere. He was never on the job. And this goes back to wow. the um, Adonisio, uh, what do you call it, uh, the uh, uh, Gibson era. Uh, and he got away with it. They fired him. Um, I, I forgot his name. Uh, he, uh, I, I worked in a, a program called the uh, Public Employment Program. We put people to work in parks and whatever. Uh, and I was glad to get out of there because that was a bad thing. And I had to certify people to work in the Newark water, uh, watershed up, uh, you know, upstate where they were doing pH tests, which they weren't doing. Uh, they were given housing, some of them. You know, there's, they're housing in some of the uh, wooded areas. And they weren't doing their job. That's what happens when, you know, uh, people grease their. I don't want to. Call, I don't know who's guilty of all this, but this is a problem that happens everywhere. And, and you know, it's happening in Belleville. They're going to disconnect their pipes uh, and other towns. I look at our lake report, and uh, we're seeing we don't drink the water, but our lake water. We see that we get a report on lead levels and other levels. And I yeah. try it to. Do we know how ridiculous you sound? No. Because sound you know what I'm saying is this: the bottom line is, you have cities have budgets, you have a mayor, you have a city council, you have all people who are supposed to be looking after their citizens. Yeah. Okay. And the fact that people have been getting away, it's just not Newark. Okay. This it's is just about Dallas. Newark is the biggest city in the state of New Jersey. But it's happening okay. in Jersey City. It's happening in other cities. It, that's the everywhere. point. The point is how is it happening and people are getting away with it? Do you not know that you pay taxes? Cindy, can I can I just chime in and offer some information to you? Go ahead. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, my name's Cass. I live in Sussex County, and we've got a lot of water, a lot of lakes. And um, the the during the Christie administration, particularly, we had a lot of issues with a company called American Water trying yes, to privatize water, and they are trying to take water resources from citizens and taxpayers and transfer them to corporations and mm-hmm. for fracking purposes and things like that. So I know that's only a piece of the puzzle, but it's definitely part of the back story. No, it, it's a, it's a, how it's got a great to point. Well, see, that's what I'm talking about, ma'am. I'm saying, when, when I say this thing didn't happen, no, no, you have corporations, you have everybody that's getting away with doing a lot of stuff, then everybody I'm, acts baffled at how it happened. I right. bought the company that she's just talking about. I joined a Republican councilwoman in the town of Sussex. They wanted to yeah. buy the, her, their reservoir, which was a, uh, a deep water reservoir. They wanted to buy yeah. their um, sewage system. They almost killed me. They, uh, they tried to take my car out. Uh, and people that I know in the Republican Party that were friends of mine told me it was, it was a deal. We, the, luckily, we did a vote. And you're right. It was um, – I think it was, we called it Aqua, uh, Aqua America, and the guy had okay. come out of um, he had come out of New Jersey State uh, Senate, 
uh, a Democrat appointed, and these are a Republican, to be on the uh, Board of Public Utilities. And that's where it starts, too, the Board of Public Utilities. And uh, they were going to buy this thing because they would put a stranglehold on that town's water and then seize the next town's water and then seize their sewage because sewage is a big right. problem. We're the highlands. One thing that Christie did, and Greg will buy, uh, back me up, and uh, I, I think Kat will do the same thing. Christie wanted to put more septic in the Highlands region so that he could build uh-huh. huge homes there and reward uh, patrons and everything. The Highlands is your drinking water, or not yours, but it's the drinking water of people that get water from our systems. Our water flows yeah. south. And Christy, that was a Christy was a creep. Okay, proving uh, my I, point. Well, we're, Christy we're is a point. okay. The bottom line is this: let's get to the bottom line. People forget taxpayers pay their salary, mm-hmm. and if people don't go and you know go to city council or go to any of these, they get away with you know, hiring out any company. And then people cry boo-hoo-hoo when they don't know where their drinking water is coming from or they can't swim in Lake Apacon. And if you want to go back to even dealing with people like Flint, when you had doctors that couldn't figure out what kind of cancer that people were coming down with because mm-hmm. it was in the water. Yeah. Okay. Now, if people want to turn a blind side to that, then don't act stupid that you don't know where your people are polluting the water, polluting the air, polluting everything under the sun. And then when Al Gore was saying it, you know, all this stuff years ago, but it's reality. Every one of us, every one of us here, I mean, we... uh, uh, Greg is involved in the Sierra Club, the Highlands region. That's your drinking water. Or every most of the probably, I, I think I've read six. How many people, Greg, get the water from our town? Well, who's on your board, Greg? Are you there? Are you on the board of the yeah, Sierra I'm here. Club? I'm still here. Yeah. Are you on the board of the Sierra Club? I'm a conservation chair. Okay. For the state chapter. So what exactly can you say to the listening public that you do that the you know these people are, have been getting away with polluting the water for this long so how long have you been doing this How long have I how long have they been doing this No how long have you been on the board Oh probably the about Sierra Club. 6 6 years on the in Sierra Okay board. So are you saying you are unaware of these things then? Oh no, no, no. no. We, we we Sierra Club. Uh, there's a there's a fellow in uh, Essex County, uh, Dave Yenyer, who's uh, uh, really been doing very active work. You know, it's uh, it's not only just the, the lead, but the lead in the water, it's the lead in the paint, lead in the. Uh, so, question, sir. Yeah. If the piping, so would this not be something? That should have been done how many years ago? Well, a long time ago. This, this, this piping's been in there for for decades. 
In fact, yeah. Well, you just proved yeah. my point. Yeah. For decades. So if you know that it's been going on for decades and nothing's been done. So now when you say, oh, blood poisoning. So what did you think was going to happen if nothing was done for the infrastructure? Exactly what's happening. I'm agreeing with you. This is, this, they've, they've known this was going to happen. We so why wasn't anything done? Well, we are trying I to have do no things idea. down below. You know, there's, there's various articles. I mean, uh, part of the problem is, is money. Uh, a lot of it's the politics that's going on. Yeah. Well, I agree with you, but I, I, all I'm saying is a shame. You know, I feel terrible that people have to suffer like this. But what I'm saying is, in plain English, where did the money go? I don't know. That we have. To, we don't know. That's something That's we don't know. Question. But we know yeah. we have projects all over the state that we worry about. We worry about pipelines over water. I uh, I grew up in a town that has now two electric plants. In, in uh, both in the Meadowlands, about 200 yards apart. And one of the electric plants is not for us. It's for New York City. And I go down there and I protest with the, the water keepers, the river keepers, and, and the other groups. Uh, and and it's, it's fouling our water. It will foul our water. We have fish and game and, and down there. It's not drinking. I don't believe the Hackensack or the Pisac are, are drinkable. Well, I feel ashamed. My dad can't even years. fish anymore. Well, down there, the water is cleared up. Yeah. No, but the problem is, you know, we always get off subject here. It's local government. You do have public officials. You have, we have a city council. We have mayors. We have governors. We have a town. I come from Hardyston. It's about 5,500 people. We live in the state of New Jersey. And yeah, we're going we to say that no, Newark you is got, the biggest city Cynthia, in the state. You've got to give us time to talk. Okay, we you small, talk. All towns. Where again? And many, most of them uh, are controlled by Republicans that do little or nothing. Uh, we're trying to rebuild the Democratic Party. Uh, I think uh, the woman that was on before. Uh, she, she 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 knows better than than me. I've run for office there many times, talking about infrastructure. Everybody supposedly likes infrastructure because it means jobs. Every one billion every one billion dollars that you put in infrastructure, including water systems, ours are we get an F uh, from the, uh, the the people that do the ratings of systems, our water infrastructure, our electric grids. The grades are F and D all the way up the line for every form of infrastructure. We've needed infrastructure for years. $1 billion of infrastructure creates 16,000 jobs, and it means a new system. That's so, one thing, I, like I said, you know, I don't like to be redundant and say the same thing overnight, over and over again. This didn't happen overnight. But it's not us. It's people us. knew the ones that it happened on other people's watch. So, therefore, we've been fighting for it from the beginning. Water is... Okie dokie, so who's responsible? I've been telling your your radio station, Eric Dawson's show, every day that pollution is running down from our area and that there's something has to... He's talking about Newark alone, but there is pollutants running down into the reservoir. 
there is some kind of waste that, uh, you know, when your reservoir is right next to Route 23, uh, whatever they put down on the uh, road is going to wind up in your reservoir. That's, uh, that's the state maybe that you, ha- you have, to have to challenge. But we are, f- are fighting. Uh, I've always run for, on infrastructure. I've uh, wanted it. It doesn't pass. The Republicans aren't jumping on it. They put a road tax on us. That hurts us deeply. Most of our, um, I don't know what the proportion of people that commute from Sussex County are, is, probably about 80%. The other 20% don't have cars, have serious people on bicycles walking to work. It's not the richest, it's, it's portrayed as one of the richest counties, but it's not. You know, there are sections of it. We're losing our population dramatically. Yeah. We're closing yeah. schools. So that's other stuff that we have to deal with. But you, you have to look at what we're – when you look at these situations, you have to look at the other people that are fighting with you. Greg there is – he is fighting on these issues. So the only on thing that I'm concerned about and concerns me is it's just that people just talk. You know, well, I mean – No, not talking. No, 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 no. I understand it. People – I know people have, you know, their heart is in the right place. You do have some folks that, you know, they go to city council. They go and they're fighting for X, Y, and Z. And, you know, we you know, say, oh, we're fighting for education. No, we're not. We're fighting for the teachers' union. No. We're fighting for this. No, we're not. My mom was a nurse for 31 years. No. You have people that pay their dues for unions and nothing gets accomplished. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's true. We don't. We're not much of a union county. We have our uh, the oh. government workers union, which is a joke. Probably the worst of all of them in the state. And I was a union president, and I was a vice president, and yes, down in Trenton, uh, and we did things. And I've worked with the AFL CIO. I've done surveys, and I've done other things with them. Uh, I've, well, you I've know, my dad was one of the every- first black. Uh, engineers at PSNG, and he always fought for unions. You know, but nothing yeah. gets done. Unions are t- uh, the the fight on is the one good thing is millennials are now joining unions, and the percentage is starting to rise. I mean, pr- 1970, about 35 percent of the workforce were unionized, and then it went down. Germany, as a yeah. country, now has about 35 to 40 percent of its workforce unionized. They make great cars. They do a lot of things. But you've got a lot of people that got their hands out, and it's on all levels. I mean, we're. She just brought up a little bit about Sussex. Sussex Borough is a dirt. Am I right? Are you still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yep. Sussex Borough is a dirt poor county. The former yeah. mayor had a house, but he didn't even live in the town. <laughs> he didn't even live in the state. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Now, uh, well, Cory Booker, you know, which who I know. For a long, long time, and it was mom. Now he brags about like he's a senator now. Now the war, the water in Newark is full of lead. You don't hear him say nothing about that. No. So it's BS, BS, BS. On some people it is, and there are other people you have to look for. I think if you look in presidential and you're going to vote, uh, I, I think the senator from uh, Boston. Or, uh, New England is a, a, a Massachusetts is a good choice. Crystal Gillibrand, I believe her. 
because I ran on her, one of the topics, and uh, uh, these two other people are from Sussex County, was that I wanted to put, I wanted to increase dairy farming. It's down to ridiculous low number. You know, we're a semi-rural, ex-rural county, but dairy well, you farming know what? is my uh, I will always, I, will, I, I just want to interest. You know, we live in a garden state, and I was, you know, everybody's talking about the farmers and this and that. I haven't heard anything about New Jersey, you know, and the, you know, the Garden State. Because I, when I was a kid, it's, we used to go to actually visit the farmers, you know, and it was, it was cool, you know, to see an actual well, cow and see some actual, you know, they, they were, they had strawberries, and oh, it was really nice. You know, our but nobody talks about the Garden State. Well, our farms listed. Farms don't get really because we. On have that a, note, a on that note, I'm gonna have to jump in because we're running out of time, and I want to make sure that everybody's contact information um, gets out there. Um, I think very much about the whole issue with uh, clean water. And uh, I've been to meetings uh, recently. In fact, our first show tonight, we discussed also what can we do about uh, the water situation. So all of you have a lot of information to contribute. And I'd like to do an episode uh, where I invite some politicians on board as well uh, to discuss the, the whole water situation and what we can most uh, effectively do. Um, Kath, let's start with your contact information. How can folks uh, get in contact with you? Uh, Cat and the website and the Facebook page is NWNJ Living, Northwest New Jersey Living. Uh, incredibly awesome. Uh, Greg, um, how about with you? I put a link to your Facebook page and also to uh, one of the Sierra Club uh, pages. Also, sir, I would like to um, get you some information for the uh, I will get. Uh, I will get to you. Let me let me get to Greg first. Okay. Uh, Greg, yeah. Uh, my my Facebook page. You can get me is uh, Greg G R E G Gorman G O R M A N and and make sure you uh, put a comma there and say Hamburg, New Jersey. Okay. Okay. And uh, I would say uh, uh, we have a uh, Facebook page for our Skylands group. That would probably okay. be the best okay. best thing to get, you know, particularly since we're in northern New Jersey, and that would separate from my other state activity. Uh, but that's a, uh, called the uh, Skylands Group. And thank you. Yeah, foundation. That as well. And um, just as I uh, asked uh, Kath in the previous uh, segment, uh, <clears throat> Source on uh, Facebook to spread more information about what's going on in northern New Jersey and northwest New Jersey. We're going to have some more panels, and currently we have four shows that are focused on uh, uh, Sussex uh, County, so we'll be uh, sharing information through those shows as well. So uh, you'll be getting invited to a panel uh, very soon, Greg. Uh, and Cindy, um, give me your contact information as well. Okay, Cisrol30 at Comcast.net, and I'm also, I have grant money to do a documentary with the North Library. Okay, so, that's awesome. Are you on Facebook, yes. too? Yes, and I, I'm looking forward to um, uh, 
really, really focusing on, you know, education. Uh-huh. And, you know, and uh, just my focus right now is just education. Okay, that sounds incredibly awesome. Um, my ears are not what they used to be, so I got at uh, Comcast.net, but I didn't catch the first part of your Okay, my C, S-P-R-U-E-L, at Comcast.net 30. Make sure you put that 30. Okay, C, Spruel 30 at uh, Comcast.net. Yes, sir. Okay, I will. If if I messed up on it, I'll get it from Bill. And last but not least, uh, the legendary Bill uh, Waitman, uh, who's so active uh, in so many. Oh, different please things. don't let him start talking about the history. We'll be here all night. And I'm still getting him to write that book and documentary. I would enjoy that. I've known Bill for a very long time. He was one of my inspirations decades ago, and I'm very honored to be doing the show with him. Uh, Bill, how can people enter your world and learn more about the things that you're doing? Well, I, I, I'm on Facebook. I have about, uh, uh, I don't know, Facebook and LinkedIn. I prefer LinkedIn. Um, okay. But I, uh, uh, it's, uh, my email, I've been using, I was going to run for freeholder, as you know. I changed my mind, but I'm still using it. Uh, Bill Waitman, the number four freeholder at gmail.com. And um, I'm on uh, Twitter, Billy Way, uh, W-E-I-G. Uh, I'm there. And um, I'm on LinkedIn if anybody wants to look. I uh, actually get paid there, so I like to do that. Um, And whatever. Um, I would enjoy anybody that uh, comments or whatever. Fantastic. Thanks to all of you. This was a very informative uh, show, and uh, it opened the door to a lot of uh, further uh, discussion. Uh, I'll be hosting a panel very soon, and I'll be inviting you all back uh, so that we can explore this issue and more importantly find out uh, despite what happened in the past and what's happening now what we can do to address this as uh, as private citizens so thanks again to everybody um and uh, i'm looking forward to the next time we communicate okay thank you so much. good night thank you very much good night okay you too good night everybody, everybody. good night at home bye thank you guys Okay, hugs. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.